0: So Money, Episode 1161, Steph Ziv, Executive Coach and Founder of Permission to Choose.
1: You're listening to So Money with
0: award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money.
1: We have so much stuff about money and money can mean so many things to so many people. There's all this stuff about like, I can't make more than X person in my life. Or um, there's all these hidden barriers, I think, that keep us from being open to the expansiveness of what is really available.
0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. Monday, February 15th, it is my birthday. My wish from listeners, if you're so inclined to give me a gift, (laughs) is to leave me a review, subscribe, share this podcast with a friend. We are six years strong on this podcast and would love to make it another great year check out my Instagram. Follow me on Instagram where I've got a post related to some of the advice I've got for myself and anyone else who cares to join in on making the 40s the best financial decade ever. And along that theme, I have an incredible guest today who is going to talk about how to give ourselves permission to choose. I don't know where you are in your life right now, but you've come to this podcast for a reason. You're at an intersection, maybe you're about to make a big decision, or you just want to learn more about money so that you can make more informed, aligned decisions in your personal life. This conversation might give you the confidence and action steps to get closer to that goal. Steph Ziv is a former TV executive turned certified life and executive coach, and you may have seen her on the NBC Today show. She spent nearly two decades as an award-winning senior development executive in the entertainment industry. She worked for DreamWorks, Oxygen Network. She developed and oversaw original movies and series for TV. Many of them won awards, including an Emmy. But she pivoted to coaching. She's going to tell us why. And through this experience, has had the privilege of working with thousands of successful and driven executives, leaders, and organizations. Her goal with every client is to remind them that they have the choice to live and lead with more joy and freedom. It may not always feel that way, but we're going to talk about how to first give yourself the permission to choose, and then how to identify those choices, and also how to go back into your life and explain these choices, stand up for these choices And by the way, I am on Steph's podcast, Permission to Choose, and it is one of the best conversations I've ever had with a podcast host. She asks me a lot of tough questions and gets me to talk a lot about my identity growing up as a kid, the challenges that came with being different growing up as me, and how that kind of worked out. So be sure to subscribe and listen to Permission to Choose. That episode is currently airing. And here we go. Turn in the tables with Steph Ziv. Steph Ziv, welcome to So Money. It is nice to have you on the show after your generous invitation to be on your podcast. Welcome.
1: Thanks, my friend. It was a pleasure and honor. And I look forward to many, many more segments with you.
0: <laughs> I was laughing before we were recording because I, I said, I, I can't promise I'm going to be as stellar of an interviewer as you were for me. You spent some time. Exploring My Name With Me, which unleashed a lot of hilarious trauma, I think, from my upbringing. And so anyway, just to tease that to listeners so that you go and you check out Permission to Choose, which is Steph's podcast, and also this incredible brand and empire that you have built. I want to really start with the name of of this company, of this brand, of this existence, Permission to Choose. Is it the permission part, the giving yourself permission part, or the realization that I have options that seems to trip people up the most. And I think it's going to be different for every person. For me, I would say it's the it's the choice part. I've always felt like I have ownership. I can, I can grant myself permission to do things, but I sometimes don't see what my options are. But you tell me what seems to be the biggest
1: obstacle for people, the permission part or the choosing part. That's interesting to me that you went with the choosing part. Um, I think a lot of people don't necessarily... Give themselves permission to make the choice. I think we live in this world, or especially this American society, where we have an abundance of choice. Right? I mean, you just walk down the cereal aisle in a supermarket, and it's overwhelming. So the permission well,
0: cereal, I know I have a lot of choices, right. but sometimes, like if you're deciding on if you should quit your job or not sometimes you feel like you don't have the choice to quit, right? You're kind of, you feel stuck a lot. of time. Like was, I think that's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, I've, I have felt stuck in more than one occasion in life where maybe I didn't recognize the choices that I actually had.
1: I think that people don't necessarily give themselves the permission to make the choice because there's so much riding on it. It's kind of like, what are you making the choice mean? Versus I have a belief that whether, whatever you choose, you're going to get what you need. And what I mean by that is there's always a lesson in life. It might be, I like to call it tuition, right? Sometimes I've paid lots of money for an item or a program or a coach or fill in the blank that has led me to either get the information that the coach program, you know, whatever it was, was promising and or it provided a life lesson That was expensive. (laughs) That wasn't necessarily what I thought, but it led me to my next choice. So I I like to take the pressure off of what the choice is. And at the same time, I like to bring the consciousness of choice and the permission to make the choice into the conversation because I don't love the idea of I didn't have a choice. I still think that we always have a choice in some way, shape or form, whether it's the choice about how we're going to relate to something, the choice to make a move, the choice to not make a move. You know, I I think that to stay in that, that place of I don't have a choice lingers us. It keeps us in that place of kind of that victim mentality. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that happen that we feel victimized by. I am saying that we all we all have a choice as to how we even relate to that moment of victimization, you know. I go back always to this very extreme example of Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. You know, he was a psychologist who was in the concentration camps and was very mindful of the choices that he had, the freedom that he had in his mind, despite his very horrific circumstances. It's not like he consciously chose to be in a concentration camp, yet he always was mindful of the choice he had about how he was relating to that circumstance and the choice to keep hope alive, which he attributes to part of what kept him alive.
0: What do you say to people who go, you know, Steph, um, I'm on board with this, but from some people who feel marginalized, who have been marginalized, whether it's a, a person of color, an immigrant in this country, that permission and choice are privileges How do you achieve those things if they're not accessible to you as as much accessible as, say, somebody who is more accepted in this country, a white man?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I am a white woman, so I acknowledge that I am not speaking from a place of, you know, having the actual experience. So I'll answer this question as best I can and I say this with humility and I know that I am not the expert on this and anyone who's lived through it can also certainly um, I'm open to thoughts and feedback here. My, what, what I would suggest in the way I, I kind of offer this idea of permission to choose is that, yes, we, we live in a certain system, right? We, there, we are, Thriving some of us and some of us are oppressed and there, there's lots of different dynamics going on in the world or, or that that we live in this society where we live. And it's easy to um, linger in the land of this of the story, right? We, we can be single storied and that can keep us in many ways kind of, um imprisoned in some way, right? And we can also expand our story. So and I, I think that inside of that is a both and. It might be that, yes, there are certain people with privilege and there are certain people who don't have that that privilege. And those and we know that those privileges are intersectional, right? There, there's lots of different types of privilege. There's the privilege of maleness. There's the privilege of whiteness. There's the privilege of um, education. There's the privilege of, of finance, you know, so there, there's, it's not just one thing, right? And I think inside of this, we really do get to ask ourselves, where do I have choice? What is my choice? If I were to even choose to relate to my story in a different way, if I were to choose a new story, because I think that sometimes we unconsciously buy into a story that has been told to us and that can contribute to keeping us small. And that might be, you know, someone who feels marginalized to someone who has had trauma in their life to someone who doesn't have the education that they feel you know, elevates them to a certain status, but we certainly have stories for all of those circumstances that have, where, where people have risen above and beyond their, you know, their current reality. Right. And so where did that come from? That's a choice too, right? It's like, we can choose to be limited by, by where we are currently And that is fine. You know what? This is not a judgment. This is just like I say, if you're going to do it or don't do it, choose it. And even that's empowering because I like to talk about it even from like the very basic one of if I choose not to work out, then I don't have anyone to rebel against.
0: Stop being in my head. Um, (laughs) Well, I'd love for you to share. Let's say we were in your one of your sessions and I come to you and I'm like, Steph, I don't feel like I have the permission to stop being a stay at home parent in this moment, especially of COVID and go back to work because I'm stuck. I don't, I have my, my priority is to my family or I'm, I actually got this from somebody. I'm a son of immigrants, Chinese immigrants, and I was allowed to be either a doctor or a lawyer or a CEO. And now I want to be a hairdresser. I feel like I have to live their legacy out and not and live out their wishes cuz they sacrificed so much to come here. I mean that's a that's like a real immigrant child's narrative of feeling the pressure to follow in the wishes of their parents because yeah they did sacrifice a lot so don't mm-hmm. screw it up right um, two very different feelings of stuckness or not having permission to do the thing that they want to do for coming from very different places so what is the exercise what is the first step to giving yourself that permission to say i can actually do something else and i and
1: here are my options I like to talk about it as a story, right? So if we think about it like if you write down in one column all of the reasons why I can't or I don't and just let's just call it the challenge or the old story and write it all out. What is it? What is that thought pattern? What are you telling yourself? What what are your um you know what what are the parents telling yourself in your head? We all have that you know, it's known as the shitty committee, right? In the head <laughs> that we can, we personify shitty every day. I love it. Oh my gosh. So Consciously or unconsciously, that part of us, the, those voices are running our show, right? So I encourage people to write that down in, let's say, if we make a T on a on a piece of paper in the left-hand column, write it out. I don't, or I can't because, and think about it in terms of like, what, what do you really want, right? So if it's, I can't get ahead because I got laid off because I don't have the skills because all the like all the things. Right. And then you use that to inform the right column, which is I now choose to. So it's like learning and writing and acknowledging what we don't want and our challenges is as important as acknowledging what we do. And this is where I think choice really gets um, accentuated because we can be mindful then on the page. We can actually see what is this inner talk? What's this dialogue that's going on in my mind that's infiltrating and impacting the action I'm taking or not, which is creating the results that I have in my life. You know, I think part of this, part of the reason we like to say, I don't have a choice is because it's much easier to not choose. It's much easier. But to- that is a decision. It, what? Not choosing is a decision. Correct. Not choosing is a decision. And if we choose to not choose, then we have more agency. You know, suddenly our power is back in our hands. I get this. I, I am on board. I,
0: I I think that there's another step maybe too, which I think prevents people from going to make the choice, which is the concern, the fear of like reconciling their choice with their environment. Their relationships, their external relationships, like the example of my listener who's an immigrant of Chinese parents, making his mom still feel proud of him and accepting that. And how do you then go back into, okay, so you're, you're like, I'm making the choice. I, per- I give myself permission to do the thing that scared me, but I have to now deal with the, I have to go back into my life <laughs> yeah. and then and talk to my partner, talk to my family, talk to my boss, as it may be. How do you have those conversations? And do you have to realize that maybe some, there, there's a risk there maybe that you're not going to make them happy?
1: Well, first of all, I don't believe that we have the power to make anyone happy. I think that's up to the individual. So I think if you take that pressure off of yourself, then you can start from there. And what I also think about is I have one of my foundational tools I use with all of my clients is this. If you think about a big table, a big dining room table, a big conference room table, whatever it is, and you think about all the different parts of yourself sitting around that table, what what's there? So Farnoosh, let's use you in, as an example. Let's just think about some okay. parts of you that are at the table. So we have mother, we have financial expert, we have wife, right? Mm-hmm. let's have some basic ones too. We have love. We have fear, right? Yep. Happy, sad. Uh, overcaffeinated. I don't know. Is that over-caffeinated.
0: what is that? over <laughs> <laughs> What else? Um... Needs, a shower, um, <laughs> um, mm, some feeling of there's breadwinner. There's that, you know, that, that, yep. that comes with a lot of baggage or not baggage, but a lot of feelings. There's uh, the inner child in me, maybe that, yep. you know, had all the hopes and dreams. Should I go on or is well, that good? It, yeah. that,
1: that's awesome. And then in the case of, of your listener who is with immigrant parents and not wanting to disappoint. So you have the pleaser, maybe. Yep. I'm in there, mm-hmm. right? And maybe there's some, you know, insecurity, maybe there's doubt, but also at the table, there might be confidence and there might be creativity and there might be, you know, an artist or there might be the abundance and there might be lack. Right. So, again, we could go on and on. The question is always what part of you is sitting at the head of the table? Mm -hmm. And that part can change in any given conversation, in any given interview, in any given relationship. And when we bring a consciousness to what part of you is sitting at the head of the table, that becomes the narrator, that becomes the authority, i.e. the author of the story you're now telling yourself. And this is all choice, right? So you get to choose what part of me would be best served sitting at the head of the table when I choose to have this conversation with my parents, when I choose to ask for a raise, when I choose to uh, look for a new job and the job that I really want and deserve, not the one I think I will, you know, settle for.
0: So, so who is going to be the main character in that discussion? Correct. The, personal, the, par- the part of you that you're prioritizing be- and, and insofar as making, and, and that you're prioritizing In making this decision
1: yeah and because i believe that the more intent that we bring to the choices we make the more power we have over the results we create because i really believe that it starts with who we are being and then that energy gets infused into the action we take which ignites and creates the results and if we're not really mindful about what that energy is what that narrator is, what that leader of our discussions is, then we are just continuing to perpetuate these old stories and this old fear and this old lack and this old fill in the blank. And that becomes where we, that's where we feel out of control and out of sorts and that we don't have a choice. And so I would invite people to just try on the idea of starting things with, I choose to even if it's a like i don't have a to-do list i have a a to choose list mm mm-hmm. i like that so i i just i think that so much of this is mindset even around money right it's like are we choosing to be moving forward with an abundant mindset or a lack mindset and those two things have real have a real ripple effect in in what we are giving and receiving even financially because i think that even from a financial perspective, I believe that money is green energy and we're just circulating it, you know, and that becomes a choice. Well, thank you for bringing this back to money, the second word of the
0: theme of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget that we're talking about money. Yeah. Let's talk about money and our relationship with money. And I don't know how often this comes up in your client conversations. What are some... uh Steph, Zivisms around money, do you have any big thoughts or, I mean, I just you just gave a bunch, like money is green energy. What are your biggest money philosophies that you see carrying into your practice when you're talking to people? Because I'm sure money comes up a lot. Abundance versus lack is probably a top theme. And then we can get into sort of like your own personal money experiences. But what are some of your
1: overarching beliefs around money? I'm pretty zen about it. At this point in my life, I feel that I've really adopted a, I mean, I'm going to sound a little woo-woo, but I like to think of myself as grounded woo. I do really believe in the mindset around money. I And I like money. I'm, I'm somebody who is a big fan of it. And I also, with my clients, I have people write out a, you know, a 10-year vision for themselves and then all the way down to a three-month, you know, three to five actual results that they want to create. Three months from now. And when I'm having them write out 10 year vision, five year vision, one year vision, and they give me a number, you know, on their financial desire that is small, I I amp that up probably by easily 50 to 100 percent every time. I am someone who believes in the put it out there and then this or something better. And then I also believe in, in an abundant mindset. I think that there, we have so much stuff about money and money can mean so many things to so many people. There's all this stuff about like, I can't make more than X person in my life or um, there's all these hidden barriers. I think that keep us from being open to the expansiveness of what is really available. And I am somebody who, very much believes in the, um, in that expansiveness. I believe that I like to give. And I think that giving is a, an open palm that allows us to also then receive. And I believe in that, you know, universal law of giving and receiving, if you will. I also believe in the idea that, you know, we get to give what we want to also receive. So if you, if you want money, give money. If you want love, give love. If you want friendship, give friendship. And in my experience that has happened, that sounds maybe a little super woo. And going back to my own personal experience, I have, I have gone down to zero many times in my life. And I think that the difference is that it's when I focus on what I love and what I, and the choices that I'm making that are really in line with my purpose and I am still hustling. I'm not somebody who's like sit back and like ohm it out and then it's just going to happen. I do believe in action, but I also really believe in intention and I also really believe in aligning that story and I also really believe in the choices to be, you know, in sync with my purpose and my values as I'm going out into the world to give what I want to give and do what I do. And then the money kind of comes in, you know? So I do encourage people to dream big, but also clean out any of the the, the cobwebs in the mind and fire some of the shitty committee that's not aligned with your true value and abundance. The shitty committee. I wrote that down. (laughs) Um,
0: Because I'm working on a book and part of it, a lot of it is about how to make good decisions and it's part memoir, part advice. And actually one of my chapters is about being selective with your board of advisors, mm. um, you know, and people asking everyone for their opinion on all their personal matters. <laughs> like yep. I have people come to me asking me for things and I'm like, do I know you? Like, you know, I get it. Um, I mean, maybe as a podcaster, that's, I mean, that's like what I'm here for, but people in my life that overwhelm themselves with people's opinions on things that really only two people should be advising you on, you know, or three people. So yeah, being selective with your shitty committee, making your shitty committee your what's the opposite of a shitty committee?
1: <laughs> uh that's a good question. I gotta come up with that. Yeah. I just um, think the opposite is I'm quoting you in my head. book though. That's great. It's like the the opposite is just like, you know, whatever your highest self is at the head of the table, like really who's the leader of you?
0: Yeah. How does someone who worked in talent management and had a really great big job for places like DreamWorks, Oxygen Network, become you, become the person who's guiding people on these very important decisions in their lives? What gave you the permission to choose this direction in your life?
1: Yeah. When you started that question, I'm like, that sounds so familiar. Why? Who else did that? Um, I know that person. Yes. I was a, I, (laughs) I I called this time of my life. I, I have a funny story about this where I was going, I left oxygen as I was a VP of development. I had a nice cushy job with all the, you know, accoutrement that went, that went with that, including elite status on, you know, airlines. And a year after I left, I was going to a wedding in Austin, Texas with my friend Cricket. And we had coach seats and I said, Cricket, don't worry, I'm going to, I'll go get us our, you know, I have elite status, so I'm going to get us bumped up. And she's, and so I, 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 she waits and I go up there and I said, yes, yeah, Stephanie, you know, Stephanie Ziv, here's my information. She's like, yes, Mrs. Ziv. And she's looking, 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 <laughs> she's like, I'm sorry, um, you're no longer elite status. And I was like, I don't know if you understand. I've been, you know, so I've argued with her for a few minutes and then I realized I really was not. And I walked back with my, you know, tail between my legs to cricket. And I said, cricket, when I was an executive, (laughs) you know, it was like, when I was an executive, I had elite status and people waited for me at the airport with a sign that said my name and they took me places (laughs) no longer. (laughs) So, um, you know, I will say that I I I was I loved my job at Oxygen. Now, it was a I loved it. I loved my team. I loved it. But what I didn't want was my boss's job and I just knew it. I just was like I don't want to go beyond this very awesome level that I am because I don't want to do what he does. I don't want to deal with budgets and I don't I want to deal with people. So I became certified as a life coach during my time at Oxygen and then it just so happened that I got certified and 12 days later, uh, there was a big buyout of NBC. So I kind of took my severance and, and, and left. And I will tell you that in the moment, it wasn't a conscious choice, but I was faced with a, with a meeting where my COO called me in to say, Stephanie, I want you to know that the CEO and I are going to do everything in our power to keep your job. And I found myself like, as if somebody was pushing me forward, I went, Lisa, no, you know, like, I don't want, and, and I was like, are these words coming out of my mouth that Take I don't this job? Like, am I an insane person? Because it's not like I had not mapped this out. Um, and, and I ended up leaving with the severance. And let me tell you, I failed miserably three years into my severance and into my very failed business. I was 40 years old, moving home and living with my father and, um, and turning 41 on his sofa. So it was not a good time. And so, you know, and that was an example of, I was not mindful of putting myself out there and make, I was choosing to hide and not go out into the world and kind of show up in this way. And, um, and then I ended up, uh, going back into the entertainment industry, which was sounds like, you know, a dream for some, but not mine. And it was a terrible situation for 18 months. And then I got fired. And I still didn't have enough money to kind of start my own business, but I, that was it. I was like, we burned the boat. Don't you love getting laid off? I do. I we were do. in the same club at one point. Listen, yeah. I, I was crying in the bathroom the night before Obviously, I got laid off. Obviously, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, as you, I think that the, that's one of the things. I say that, that- 10 years later, that laying, getting laid off was great. <laughs> yeah, you it's know what? what, this is what I would say about getting laid off. The night before I got laid off, I was literally in the, in the ladies' room at my job crying hysterically on the floor like a good, you know, like a really good, you know, scene from a movie going, God, I, what can I, I got to get out of here. Like, I'm hysterical. Like this is the worst experience and this is terrible and I'm being abused and, but I don't have enough money to leave. And what am And the next day I was let go and not with my whole contract. So I had to even pay a lawyer to get it. Like it was a mess. And still, um, I just continued forward, and I was really conscious at that point. Like at, at, at that point, I was like, "I am going to make this coaching thing work. I will not be back on my father's sofa. I will not be back in the entertainment industry. I will not do it." And I made the I made the choice to really just go for it. And I was uh, within two months after that, I was on the Today Show. And thank God, I'm also ten years later. Everything is good.
0: Wow! <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I love that. I say the best decisions in life are sometimes the ones that are made for you.
1: Yeah, and you know, I would say one thing about that. If I, I would, whenever people like, I have a great story about a, a client who came to me miserable in her job, hated the job. The whole point in hiring me was to create her exit strategy, get her out of the job, and like this was it. It was it was not what she wanted. The worst thing. Now she didn't know exactly what she wanted, which is why she came to me also. But the. After my first session with her, then in the next session, she was like a half an hour late for my 45 minute session. I'm calling her, calling her. She's not coming through. Finally, she calls me. She goes, "Um, I'm going to cancel the, you know, obviously I'm late, but I'm going to cancel this because I just got fired. I go, oh, no, no, no. We're not canceling this. You know, I'm like, first of all, congratulations. This is awesome. And she's like, you know screw you basically. But, <laughs> um, but again, this woman years later would, you know, she ended up going on a journey that took her to Costa Rica and Bali and it, and now she's a coach and it's like, it's like, you know, she just found her way. So I always think like, where are my fingerprints on this, on this decision that either feels like it was made for me or some mm-hmm. part of me chose. And that's the question yeah. I would ask your listeners. You know, where are your fingerprints on the circumstances that, that have led you to this moment? And then, and then, and now what do you want? Right. Cause that could just be inventory where you're like that works or that doesn't, I'm going to make some more, I'm going to actually start to take some conscious choices here. Yeah.
0: I really like the way that you shaped that. Where are your fingerprints? If you are someone listening who is in an unhappy relationship or, or you're not working, but you want to be working. Or you um, are not happy with the business. I mean, I think it's obviously like one thing to identify the stuff that has been happening to you. A lot of things happen to us, right? Yeah. But there's always there's always stuff that mm, we played a role. Like that didn't just happen. <laughs> we can say <laughs> things don't just happen to us. I mean, sometimes like the pandemic,
1: but you know, we're talking everyday stuff. The, you can say it things things happen for us. And then that's another way into, I like that too. You know, what is this about? What am I here to learn? If we look at, at this, at everything as a classroom and, and every trigger as our teacher, what are we here to learn? And that's where I think we can make some choices to even, even if the only choice is to ask that question and be curious, that's enough. Mm. Well, Steph,
0: thank you so much for sharing your time and energy with us and helping us work through some of the mind blocks, challenges around decision-making. I think 2021 is going to be a pivotal year for a lot of people. And I think there are hopefully going to all be good, strong, healthy pivots. After a year where we felt like we just didn't have a lot of choices. So I appreciate you and thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm really grateful. Thanks so much to Steph for joining us. Her website is Steph, S-T-E-F, Ziv, which is spelled Z-I-E-V, StephZiv.com. And thanks for celebrating my birthday with me. Hope to see your reviews. Hope to see you joining me on Instagram, subscribing, sharing this with friends. Thanks for being a member of this community. And I'll see you back here on Wednesday. I hope your day is so money.